Good morning. Oh, that's pretty good. Let's try it again. Good morning. Oh, yeah, now we're ready. After that song, you should be awake this morning. Are you awake this morning? Awesome, awesome. Well, my name is Eric, not Ken. I want to make sure that everybody understands that. And uh, I hear that Ken Aiken is not very good looking, so I hope that I'm better looking than... No, I'm teasing. I don't even know a Ken Aiken, so... But uh, this morning, I want to say thank you to uh, Dr. Hunter for allowing me to speak to you once again. It's always a pleasure to do that. I am concerned, though, is that every time I speak, that afternoon they have a deacon's meeting. Every time I'm here, and I beginning to wonder if there's a purpose in that meeting after the FCA guy speaks. But uh, really thankful to be here this morning. I want to honor one of your uh, one of your congregants. I don't know what the correct term is, but uh, we had a powerlifting meet in January. We had over 332 lifters. We were supposed to have 435, but COVID was hitting about that time. We had 332 lifters, uh, 120 volunteers, just indoors, plus all the people cooking. Uh, we had 24 different schools. I think there was, we had over 800 that were in the building. But there was this one guy that showed up at 445 along with a team of people to cook 1,500 pancakes in an hour and to cook 800 sausage patties. And uh, so Tom Stiles, I just wanted to say thank you to you. Where, are you here? Where are you at? Is Tom here this morning? Well, Tom needs Jesus. All right. So. <laughs> but uh, if you see him, I want to personally say thank you. And he may be watching online. Can we just give him a hand for him serving at that? We really appreciate him this morning. And I just tell you, I got word this week. We don't set out to do it for this reason. But I found out this week that so far... It's the largest powerlifting meet in the state of Texas this year. And so we just give God the glory for that. We didn't set out to do that, but God is good. Uh, and we're thankful that New Boston ISD, as well as the surrounding schools, are involved in that. Uh, and we had I have one coach from uh, Marshall that came to me at a different meet because I go and help other coaches serve. It's what my job is. And he said, I love the FCA meet. I don't know why, but I just love it. We do the same thing at every meet, but I just love it. And I just said, hey, the hand of God is on it. He went, literally he stopped. He went, that's it. That's exactly the difference. And so I just want to say thank you to those that have prayed for that. I know that some of you tried to volunteer, uh, and we just ran out of space. We had plenty of volunteers this year, but that's not to say uh, we won't have it for next year. Uh, we have gotten, we're going to have to expand. We had 10 racks this year. If you know anything about powerlifting, we had 10 Platforms. We'll have 12 next year as we're growing, as well as we had a company out of, of uh, Mississippi. I was at a coaches' convention a couple of weeks ago in Arkansas, uh, and that company came to me. I showed them just a picture of what we do, just just a conversation, one after anything whatsoever, and the guy just eyes lit up. And he said, we've been looking for a way to partner with FCA in this arena, and so we're going to bring all the equipment, all platforms, set everything up, for you next year. And I was just like, how much is it? He said, we want to donate all of that. And they're driving, bringing a big semi-truck from Mississippi to come and do that for us. And so we're thankful God is on the move and we're thankful for what God is doing through FCA. But today I didn't come here to talk about FCA. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. And as you're turning there, as, as our brother, Brother Harold indicated earlier we want to say that we want to be praying for the pastor 
Pastor Hunter, as he comes back and uh, from vacation, that he's refreshed and renewed, and give him a couple of weeks to kind of get back in the swing of things. And uh, as he's going to have another day off tomorrow on President's Day, and uh, but uh, give him a few weeks to get back in the swing of things. I know he'll come back refreshed, ready to to serve you once again. Joshua chapter one. It's one of my favorite scriptures in in the Word of God in all sixty six books that are in. Uh, the Bible. Your pastor keeps teasing me saying that I only know about four books in the Bible, but there are 66. I want him to know that because I know he's watching right now. So there are 66. And, uh, but one of my favorites is Joshua chapter one. This last fall, I had the opportunity to do a, a Bible study through the book of Joshua with a group of coaches. And the book of Joshua is rich with things. And I want to pull out some things this morning, not going to go through the whole book, but just some highlights of some things. And I want to talk about four Ps this morning. But Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 is where we'll focus, but we're going to go backwards a little bit. But in verse 9 it says, Have I not commanded you? He asked a question. Be strong and courageous. Everybody say courageous. Uh, now listen, if you're going to be courageous, you can't be weak. Come on, say Courageous. Yes, good. There we go. Do not be frightened or do not be dismayed. Here's the best part. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't that good news this morning? In a, in a world where, where fear has reigned over the last two to three years, where fear has been preached to us through the media and through different outlets and through different things, am I saying COVID isn't real? Absolutely not. Our family, it was, it was our oldest son's Christmas present to us this year. We got COVID. He woke up Christmas morning with it. And six days later, we ended, my wife and I ended up with COVID. And praise the Lord, we're okay this morning. But not saying it's not real, but there's, there's this fear that has gripped our nation. There's fear that has come up with a 40% increase in most of our our gross goods today are, and, our, and our products that are in the store. And my dad's in heating and air and they've seen a 40% increase in the last 12 months just on equipment. There's fear that will grip us. But he tells us in Joshua chapter 1, which was written way before Jesus came, and he promises us even after Jesus came that he's going to be with us. Isn't that good news this morning? That we're to take courage that he's going to be with us. Well, Joshua, back in chapter 1, or in, in verse 1, it backs up a little bit, and it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. You need to take note of that. Moses, my servant, is Ned. Now, therefore, go, excuse me, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people into the land that I have given them to the people of Israel. Verse 6, he repeats verse 9. Or verse 9 repeats verse 6. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to your fathers to give to them. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you so much for this great day and this beautiful church that you have set here in New Boston, Texas as to be a lighthouse to this community. Lord, I ask you over these next few minutes that those that may be discouraged would find courage. That those may that have lost the promise or trying to find God's plan in their life, God would discover a plan that would be real and fresh to them. But Lord, most of all, any person in this room that does not have a relationship 
with you. I pray that they find a relationship with you today. They make that decision to follow you for the rest of their life. Lord, be with us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. The very first P that that God gives Joshua to me is the promise. He gives Joshua a promise in verse 6. He says, For you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Joshua is given a promise. Not only is he given that promise, but he's given the promise in verse 1 and in verse 9, but that I'm going to be with you wherever you go. You're going to succeed as long as you're with me. I'm going to be with you. God gives Joshua a promise. I'll be with you. And for some of us in this room this morning, maybe we need to hear that promise. I'll be with you. Maybe you're going through a trial in your life. Maybe you're walking through a situation. Maybe you've got a diagnosis that has, is not in favor of what the doctors are saying. Here's what God is saying to you. I will be with you. I was privileged to have a, when I was a, a, a youth pastor, I had a worship leader that was with us for four years and then went on with Angie and I to to help us plan a church. He and his wife and family moved with us to Rockwall, Texas. And just recently, a month ago, at 41 years old, Jeff Livesey, one of our good friends, had a massive stroke. And this morning is laying in a hospital bed and doesn't know where he is. We don't know what the diagnosis is or what the future holds. But there's one thing that I keep hearing his wife say as she gives updates. I know God is with me. I know God is with me in this situation. And this morning, your situation may not be as severe as Jeff and Kim, and it may not be as severe as a cancer diagnosis. It may be as simple as, I need to get a bill paid this by the end of this week, or I've got this situation at work that I've got to face. The good news is, just like Joshua, he gives us a promise that he's going to be with us. God will be with you. Wherever you go. If we go to chapter 6 of Joshua, I'm not going to take the time to read. I want to be sensitive time because I know that all of you are trying to get to Maria's and get to the chips and salsa before I do. <laughs> but this morning as we, we venture through the book of Joshua, there's one of my favorite. It's the first battle that they really face. Joshua has gathered the people. He's begun to get them to build confidence as, as a leader, he's tried to build confidence in them that God's going to be with us. And, and so he goes and there's this battle that we call Jericho. And some of you, maybe you were raised in Sunday school or you've heard it in Sunday school or children's church or wherever. You've heard of the, of the story of the battle of Jericho. It's this unconventional battle. It's this unconventional tactic that God uses and uses Joshua to defeat Jericho. It says that, that they go and, and he says, hey, Joshua, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you the game plan here. And this is what we're going to do is that you're going to go out and, and you're going to take the people and on day one, you're going to go walk around the city. Nobody's going to say anything, which there was a million in number. That's a miracle in itself to get a million people to not say anything, especially church people. Hello? Are you all back there? 
But it's, 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 it's a miracle to get that many people to not say anything. Maybe to not create a protest. And so they take off and they march around the city one time and come back to camp. And you got it, you know the day one, like, well, that was fun. What are we doing? Day two, he says, hey, everybody blows the trumpet. They, everybody get up, let's go, it's game day, it's game day. And so, but I need you to be quiet. We're going to walk around the city, then we'll come back to camp and go about our business. I mean, you got to go, what kind of workout plan has Joshua got us on? We're, we're walking and we're walking around the city and now we're going back to, to the camp and go about our business and we're the enemy's territory. Like, what's going on here? Day three, same thing. Day four, same thing. Day five. You know by day five, all the church folks talking. That pastor crazy. That pastor is weird. What has gotten into him? Where, Moses, can you just come back and rescue us? Because when Moses was here, we did it this way. Hello? Yeah, I know y'all have never said that. I know you've never talked about a coach like that. I know you've never talked about a pastor or a leader like that. But when they were there, we used to do it like this. Remember how you used to do it kept you circling the same mountain. But when there's a new leader, we're going to go to the promised land. And Joshua was the new leader. The new leadership said, hey, we're going to make some strides and we're going to get it because God has given us what? A promise. So he continues with a plan that God gave him in day six, same thing. And at that point, nothing had happened. And if you're a leader in this room, you understand day six and day seven's coming and you're going, okay, God, I need you right now. Because nothing's happened. I can hear the murmurs. I can hear the things in the crowd. I can hear things like the commanders are coming like Joshua, like, hey, Nothing's happened. Like, when do we get to fight? Like, I've got my sword sharpened. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. We've been doing this workout plan, P90X or whatever you do. I mean, we're, we're ready to fight. And then all of a sudden, nothing's happening. You're telling us to march around the wall. And it's just going to come down? Like, we don't have to work for this? If I could just give you a spiritual truth, sometimes you've got to work for it. And sometimes God just blesses you. Sometimes God just opens a door that... It's just a reward of what he's doing. And so day seven comes and they march around the walls six times. And on the seventh time, they begin to scream and shout and praise the Lord just like we were singing. If the Revelation song was written back then, Harold, I bet they were singing that song. They just begin to lift their voice to the Lord and begin to shout like we would at a football game. You know what I'm saying? Like they begin to lift their voice and and raise a shout and clap their hands and give glory to God. Not to, to Joshua, but give glory to God. And what happens? The walls come down. See, there's power when we begin to praise and worship. The walls can come down in our lives. The worry goes away as we begin to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As we begin to honor Him and put Him first. It says that the walls came down and they entered the city and conquered it. I want you to understand something about this passage. And I don't, because of of ears that are in the room, if you know what I mean, but this passage has got some things in it. It was war, folks. These were not little sissy men, if you know what I mean. They weren't too sensitive, if you if you understand. These were full-grown men that entered this place and took took people by the sword, not from a distance as a sniper, but by the sword, and they conquered the city of Jericho that God had given them. Folks, we've got to fight. They went in, and we've got to rise up as a church, and we've got to fight. 
It's time to fight for the next generation. I stand here, I feel, as this morning, and this is not in my notes, but God's given us a plan to fight, and it's simply in prayer. I got an email this week from a friend that got it from a friend of a list of books. First off, it's not in this city. It is over towards Dallas area. There's a school in the Dallas area, and they've gotten these these new library books in, and the librarian is so excited about these books that she sent an email out with this list of books. I can't even read them from this pulpit this morning because that's the type of books that are being put in our libraries every day in our school system. May I tell you, we're in for a fight for our kids. We've got to stand up, and I'm not saying we've got to go protest and we've got to go to the school board, and I'm not telling you to go see Mr. Bobbitt this morning. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you it's time to stop marching. It's time to start hitting our knees and praying for our kids and crying out for them because we're losing a generation. Here's the tactic of the enemy. He wants to desensitize this generation so that he can conquer this nation. He wants to desensitize this generation to what... To what those the homosexuality and the transgender movement is to desensitize. You can't say anything, can't do anything. It's called hate speech. I understand that we're supposed to love them, but there's an agenda that's happening. But God has a different agenda that he's up to, and that's to save the lost and set the captive free. Amen? Amen. Is this a live church this morning or are we dead this morning? Because it's what we've got to do. God has given us a plan. And Joshua, I believe this morning, the battle of Jericho is an example of what we need to do in our homes. That we need to be marching around our homes. Maybe you've got that that son or daughter that's just rebelling and, and they're not doing some things right. I'll just tell you my tactic. I just go in their room when they're not there and I just begin to pray for them. I lay hands on their bed. I lay hands on on their pillow. Whatever it is, you're like, that's weird. Hey, listen, the world's weird too. But I tell you this morning that I've got two sons, one that's in chiropractic school that will take part of his boards coming in April, that's passing it, and I've got another son that's going into full-time ministry. And I don't say that to float my own boat, but I'm telling you, prayer works in the home. And Joshua's given us a plan that we got to stand up and fight, church. We can't be lazy. There's no retirement in the Bible. It's time for us. You say, I don't have a purpose God will give you a purpose. That's the third P is purpose. God uses the plan to create a purpose in your life. God will use a plan to create a purpose. Suddenly at this moment, when this army enters a city and this army takes over, their purpose was defined. If you keep reading in Joshua, they just keep conquering until they get and Achan commits the sin and they have to go back and reconquer. There's just one after another, battle after battle, because all of a sudden their purpose was defined. Joshua's purpose as a leader was defined that day because it says in chapter chapter 6, the very last verse, and it says this, says, So the Lord was with Joshua, verse 27 of chapter 6, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all of the land. He was with him. He, remember, he gave him the promise in, in chapter 1, but he stayed with him. He's still with us. He's still with us today. It's a purpose. You know, our purpose in our life shifts with maturity. Joshua's purpose shifted after Moses died. He was Moses' servant. 
But then when Moses died, there was a shift in his purpose. His initial purpose was to serve Moses. But there was a shift when Moses died, he became the leader. He became the one that everybody came to. He became the the general of the army. There was a shift and there's a shift in our lives. Think about it. When you were a high school student, sir, your purpose was different. You wanted to be the best football player or the best basketball player. So that that girl in the stands would notice you. You had a purpose. Some of y'all looking around like, don't talk about those days. That's not the girl sitting beside me now. (laughs) There was a purpose. Then when it shifted to college, you had a purpose to get your degree. And maybe post-grad, you had a purpose to get a doctorate degree or to get a master's degree, whatever it was that you chose to do. And then you got that entry-level job. Maybe if we, I, I love, I use the school system because I'm, I'm part of it so much, but that entry level job, you, you, you were the math teacher and your purpose was to teach math and then it shifted. You became the principal of the school. And now you're dealing with discipline and you're dealing with those awesome parents that love you so much because you have disciplined their child with the board of education, if you know what I mean. But then you become A superintendent. And everybody's looking at Mr. Bobbitt right now. It's just amazing. Like, what is it like? But there's a shift in a purpose because now no longer do you give a vision just for a campus. You give a vision for an entire district that you carry a load. The weight is different. That's what maturity is in our lives is that as, as our kids, we raised our kids as parents. But then we got grandkids. And it's the reward of not killing our own kids. I mean, it's beautiful. I haven't gotten there yet. Here's the thing is that now it shifts. Our purpose begins to shift. It's no longer as I'm a parent because kids live at home, but I'm a grandparent. I get to spoil them and send them back to their kids. I pray different. Now I pray for my kids as their parents, that they don't make the same mistakes that maybe I did. My kids aren't parents yet, but... But there's this purpose that shifts, and that's exactly what happened in Joshua's life, is there's a purpose that shifted. See, our ultimate purpose, though, is one thing, and that's to share Jesus Christ no matter what position we have or where we are. Joshua's purpose was to communicate strategy. The last P, as our worship team comes back, is people. You can't do things without people. You can't do it alone. This battle that we're in, this battle that we face in our society, if you will, you can't do it alone. You know, it's often been said that it takes a village to raise a child, and I 100% believe that. My youngest son called my wife this week talking to her about some things that they were noticing some weaknesses in him. Wasn't in trouble, just some weaknesses. Things that we had said. But the amazing part is, is they're seeing the same things and they're beginning to share some things with him and opening his eyes to notice those things. It takes a village. We can't do this life alone. And people, it was people. Joshua could not go fight the battle of Jericho 
or the battle of Ai or any of the other battles by himself. He had to have people around him. And church, I challenge you this morning to don't let your pastor do it alone. And don't think that you've got to do it alone. Let's together do it. Because it's about a kingdom. You know, during COVID, I think I shared this before, but during the, the peak of COVID, the suicide hotline calls were up 900%. Because people were alone. The enemy wants to divide us. The enemy wants to bring in a device and divide us. The church, it's time for us to unify and say enough is enough. We're going to rally under the cross of Jesus Christ. We have a purpose. God has a plan. You were created for a relationship with people, but most importantly, you were created for a relationship with God. My question this morning is, do you have a relationship with him? You know, I want to take the rocks out of your hands immediately because I've asked this question to, to people in, in our area, not in the church, just in our area in general. Do you have a relationship with him? And the instant answers are, well, I attend this church. Or I go to FCA on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. And there's always in relation to the is it relation to a building. My question is, do you have a relationship with him? I'll have another one that tells me, well, I'm the deacon at this church. Well, I, I teach Sunday school over here. My question is still, do you have a relationship with him? You know, many of us, or many people, not us, we have head knowledge. We know who he is. We know about him. We can quote the scriptures. We can tell the story of Jericho. We can, we can share those things. But my challenge this morning, and I know that this morning may not be as motivational as usually I am, but I just felt a mandate from the Lord that there is somebody here this morning that you've got a head knowledge, but God is looking for your heart. God is looking for your heart. And I don't care how old you are. I don't, it's, I'm just at a place where I'm not really worried about how long that you've served in a church or attended a church. My concern is, is eternity. Have you asked Jesus to come in to your heart? You can know the scriptures and still not know him. Do you have a relationship with him? I'm asking you to let that knowledge shift from your head to your heart. Jesus died on a cross for you so that you could have eternal life. It's the greatest decision that anybody can make. I've experienced a lot of things and a lot of blessings in my life, but the greatest thing that I've ever experienced is a Savior named Jesus Christ. Amen? 
this morning, don't walk out of this place with just head knowledge. I don't know how membership works here at the church. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm asking you to join a kingdom, the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ loves you. You're not too far. He forgives. He will change your life forever, and there will be a difference in your life when you give your heart to Jesus. My wife and I met at she was 19 and I was 23. I'm not going to tell you how long we've been married because then you'll figure out how old I am. Or how old she is, that's the thing. But I remember when she gave her heart to Christ that all of her friends, we were dating at the time and she gave her heart to Christ shortly after we met. And all of her friends began to say, you look different. There's something different about you. And it was just simply a relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying that you're going to look different. I'm not saying the wrinkles are going to go away. But there's going to be a glow about you that's different when you have Jesus in your heart. Do you know him? Let's pray this morning. Just as we begin in prayer, I just want you to think about that. I want you to just, for the next few moments, just reflect. can't do life alone. It's about a relationship with him. Dear Jesus, this morning as we close out our time together, I ask you that if any person in this room does not have a relationship with you, that they make that decision to follow you today. Lord, they may have gone through the motions and been baptized before and done all things, but they just did not have that relationship. Lord, I ask you this morning to move upon their hearts that today they would make you the Lord of their life. Lord, today I just ask you to help us to fight the good fight, the fight of faith, to stand in the gap for the next generation. Lord, you know I've tried to share something else, but it's just a mandate that you've got on my life, that we stand in the gap for our kids, that we stand in the gap for our teenagers, for our teachers and for our coaches and every, every person that teaches our kids, but, Lord, that we stand in the gap for our kids that Christianity may not skip a generation. It's in Jesus' name we pray.